Welcome to the Rail Market Update on the State of Freight podcast brought to you by FTR, where we share timely transportation intelligence with you on a weekly basis. The Rail Market Update is hosted by FTR's Vice President of Rail and Intermodal, Todd Tronowski. As Todd presents the information in the podcast, you can follow along and review the graphs and indicators by downloading a PDF or PowerPoint version of the presentation from our podcast landing page. A link to the PDF is available now at www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. From there, you can also find past episodes and downloads of the Rail Market Update, as well as the weekly trucking market update with Avery Vice and much more. That link again is www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the FTR State of Freight Rail Market Update Podcast. As always, I am your host, Todd Tranowski, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal here at FTR. Thank you for joining us this week and every week. Hopefully, I will see everybody here soon, uh, whether it's next week out of the Southeast Association of Rail Shippers Conference or at the Rail Equipment Finance Conference the week after that. It's time to get out there. The spring travel season is upon us. It's time to uh, hit the road and see many of you. Uh, yet once again, uh, to understand what your needs are out in the marketplace, uh, what we can do for you, and how how we can help you make sense of uh, the markets as they continue to evolve over the course of 2023. I'd be remiss if I didn't put a plug in for our conference this September, September 11th to the 14th at the Crown Plaza Union Station, downtown Indianapolis. Uh, you will not want to miss it. Four days, uh, we've got truck freight, truck equipment, we've got rail freight, rail equipment, intermodal, whatever you, whatever your piece of the supply chain is, uh, we've got a day for you uh, to just immerse yourself in where the market is and where the market's going and to hear from thought leaders in the space about their thoughts on the market. So not just the FTR perspective, but uh, the, the perspective of other experts in the industry as they think about the year ahead when it comes to the, the transportation infrastructure, the transportation networks that we all use to move our freight and to get around. So with that all said, let's jump in and let's talk about what we're going to cover this week. Well, let's talk about the volumes this week. Intermodal volumes are pretty flat. Uh, they've been that way for a while and they just continue to be very weak and very flat with no sign of gaining traction at all over the last several really months and quarters at this point. It's really not even weeks. It's it's longer than that at this point. And carload volumes also uh, tread at water in the last week, but there, there are some bright spots out there. There's some green shoots, if you will, as we head into spring, as we start to get toward spring training baseball here at the end of the week. There are some green shoots out there uh, in the grass, particularly the chemical sector and the metal sector, providing some signs of hope in the carload market as we as we work forward, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we go as we go through here. Intermodal volumes, though, let's start there as we always do. Not much of anything, really, from an absolute volume level. Uh, we're about 7-8% off year-ago levels. We're more than that off relative to the five-year average, closer to 10%. And just no real movement here. If you average the last six weeks, it's really a pretty flat number, right? About 318, 319,000 carloads a week. That's a weak number. That is, without question, a weak result. There are a lot of things uh, going into that. Slowing U.S. imports, shifting mix of those U.S. imports, a more competitive 
truckload market on the competition side. Uh, but overall, uh, it's it could even get worse for intermodal before it gets better, and that's the that's the scary thing if you're in the intermodal space is that uh, it could get worse before it gets better. That 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 light that you see out there uh, could in fact be an oncoming train over the next six to nine months, and we'll have to keep an eye on that and see how things develop, how things uh, blossom through over the next the next few weeks to talk about. Uh, next few months, really, next few, not even next few weeks, next few quarters, next few months, to see how it how it evolves, how it how it uh, germinates through the course of the year on the intermodal side, on the trailer side of the house, it really just steady as she goes, very much the same the same story, steady at a very weak level. If you averaged six of the seven weeks this year, you'd get right around fifteen thousand trailers a week each and every week. Now that's stable. That's that's a good thing for stability, but it is a very weak number, and that, that weakness cannot be ignored. It cannot just be swept under the rug when you're 20, 25, 30% down on a year-over-year basis, when we're even more than that on a five-year average basis. The trailer market continues to struggle. Is it going to die? Is it going to be you know, phased out in three, four, five years? Maybe not, but it certainly uh, raises some questions as you think about trailers over the longer term, as we think about 2030 and beyond, whether there is volume enough at a base level to justify reinvestment in some of the, the equipment that's used to handle them. Time will tell, but it's certainly not a great sign for the trailer market. On the container side, basically right at 300,000 carloads a week, not a whole lot of of traction here, again, as you would expect, given that containers are 90% of overall intermodal. If overall intermodal is not getting traction, containers aren't getting traction either. We're just sort of stuck in neutral, if you will. We can't really get in gear. We're just holding very stable, right around 300,000 or so carloads a week, and we'll have to see uh, where that goes. Certainly, there is the potential for additional downside pressure here, and I think that's that's what everybody needs to remember is that flat is okay. Flat is better than the alternative given the competitive factors that are out there uh, in the container markets, in the overall intermodal space. Car load volumes, when we switch gears, they're, they're really pretty steady. They show, in fact, some signs of hope in some categories. Metals and chemicals are the two uh, that really jump off the page, uh, but on an overall basis, we're really just Fairly flat, really just steady, right around 333 or so thousand carloads a week. Now, that's above the five-year average. That's ever so slightly above last year. Not much at all above last year, but slightly above. And it's been pretty flat the last several weeks. It's really been right around this same range. It's just just continuing to hold here. And that's a, a question we'll have to see as we go forward here. Uh, can it grow? Can carload grow for the full year? Well, we will have to see as we go through here. Now, the plus side of that equation, economically sensitive rate is outperforming overall carload. It's outperforming last year's numbers. Yes, it's still flat, but it's flat at a stronger level. It's above the five-year average noticeably. It's above last year noticeably. It's not declining. It's not dropping off the table. It's 
it's holding that level. Uh, that's a, a, a decent level, at least. It's a decent uh, number for economically sensitive freight. Now, Todd, what do I mean when I talk about economically sensitive freight? Well, that that's really, it, it's sometimes called core carload freight. It pulls out agriculture. It pulls out petroleum. It pulls out, call it looks at just those sectors that are more closely tied to the underlying economy. Things like I've talked about, metals and chemicals and lumber and pulp and paper and those sorts of commodities are in this number. And on the whole, those commodities are faring fairly well. Coal, you can't talk about carload and not talk about coal. It's still the single largest carload commodity by volume. And it also, like the overall picture, is fairly flat. If you look at five of the last six weeks, We've been right around 75,500 carloads a week without really much deviation. Now, that's below last year. That's below the five-year average. And this is a, a sector that uh, this number we don't expect to hold up very much longer. We expect there to see significant downward pressure as we go through the year. Natural gas this week was at $2.04. And, and uh, that is not a price point. That allow coal that allows coal to compete really anywhere in the country uh, for domestic electricity generation, and the fact that we're at uh, two dollars and four cents per MBTU in the end of February, still in the heating season, that does not bode well for where gas prices could go as we get into the spring injection season. That does not bode well for coal's overall competitiveness relative to intermodal as we go through the year. This is a sector that is going to be an anchor for carload growth as we think about it going forward. It just doesn't have uh, a catalyst even to, stay, uh, even to stay flat, even to stay even with where it is. Grain volumes, the other major bulk sector that moves by rail in the carload business, it bounced back on a sequential basis off of the low from two weeks ago. Uh, but again, it's really pretty, pretty flat, right around 35,000 or so. Uh, carloads a week. If you average the last five weeks, you'd get a number right around 35,000. Now that's above the five-year average. That's above uh, last year, just ever so slightly above last year, but it is above. Uh, this is a sector we expect there to be some support for. We expect there to be global demand. We expect there to be an ability to continue to move additional grain as we go through the first and second quarters. The demand should be there if it's not, that would raise some serious questions. That would raise uh, some, some, some red flags as to why the grain is not moving that we'd have to then look into at that point. Switching back to economically sensitive commodities, I mentioned chemicals early on off the top here, and you can see that over the last four weeks, we've had a slow and steady increase on a sequential basis in carload traffic. We're still below last year. We're a little bit above the five-year average. Now, I will tell you, the five-year average, <coughs> particularly for chemicals, is not worth a whole lot uh, right now for where it is because you normally have a seasonal decline on right around President's Day week because of weather in Canada. You also have the effects of the Texas freeze of a couple of years back in the five-year average. So the five-year number is sort of artificially low, particularly for chemicals that were 
so dramatically affected by the Texas freeze of a couple of years ago. So we're still above the five-year average in all likelihood, but we're not, not as dramatically above the five-year average as maybe this graph would lead you to believe. Uh, but we're moving in the right direction here on a sequential basis. We're still below last year, but we're, we're seeing some positive signs, particularly after the last uh, two and a half quarters of weakness, of somewhat unexpected weakness. Uh, we are seeing some growth here, and that's good to see. And we hope that the flip side of those low gas prices, that you would encourage additional chemicals production, you would encourage additional uh, demand uh, to produce chemicals because of the low feedstock prices, and that should support volumes as we go through the balance of the year. Time will tell if that pans out, but that would be that would be our thought at the moment. Petroleum products volumes, uh, a big part of chemicals, a big subgroup of chemicals, if you will, uh, down sequentially, but still above the five-year average, still above last year by a solid 5%. And toward the top end of the range they've been in uh, in the post-pandemic period, closer to 22,000 carloads a week than 21,000 carloads a week. And if you remember back to last year, I would talk about that 19 to 21,000 carload range as being where petroleum products has, has hung out in the post-pandemic period. We are at the top end there, a little bit above the top end even, uh, when you think about where we are presently. So that that's okay. That's an okay number, even though we've sequentially moved down and we're flat over the last month, we're flat at a reasonably strong level and we haven't yet seen signs of the typical seasonal weakness that you see early in the first quarter in this sector. We've held fairly flat. Now, flat for a lot of carload groups is not a great number. For this, it's actually an okay result for the petroleum products sector. Stone, sand, and gravel, it ticked down a little bit sequentially, but again, is still at a strong level. It is still, on the whole, above the five-year average relatively strongly. Is above last year relatively strongly. This is still a good news story. And we expect the good times to roll here through the balance of the year as additional uh, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act funding rolls out, as projects uh, start to get rolling, start to get completed, other projects come in. And that's going to support demand as we go forward here. We really haven't seen sand contribute quite yet, but for the moment, uh, crushed stone and gravel are, are leading the way here uh, for this sector over the, the last, really, couple quarters, and we expect that to continue for the balance of 2023. Now, the other side of the construction puzzle, lumber and wood, uh, yes, we've ticked up a little bit sequentially the last two weeks. We're still at a low level. We're still well off last year. We're still well off the five-year average. And we have a housing market that does not give us a whole lot of confidence for lumber and wood as we go through the balance of the year. We think this is a sector that's going to, to struggle to even hold present levels as we go through the balance of the year. Time will tell, but lumber and wood is a sector where uh, there definitely is, is downside bias built in. Pulp and paper, another forest product sector. Uh, it bounced back sequentially. In the latest week, but it still uh, is at a low level. It's still off of last year. It's still off of the five-year average. Uh, it's still not really going anywhere. If you were to average the last six weeks, you'd get a pretty flat number, right around 7,500 or so carloads a week, and that is a disappointing result for this sector. Now, the bright side is we really haven't seen 
the typical seasonal decline that you would expect to see in pulp and paper, but that's presumably because we're already operating at such a low level that there really isn't another leg down to be had right now, particularly given where the industry's been over the last three quarters. It's not been a pleasant ride in this sector uh, for pulp and paper if you're uh, moving goods by rail, and even if you're not moving goods by rail, the sector's had its struggles over the last several quarters. Uh, Automotive volumes, ending on a positive note, automotive volumes the last two weeks have sequentially moved up. We're back above uh, last year. We've been above last year. We're back almost to our five-year average uh, in the latest week. And we'll see if we get the, the historical bump late in the first quarter that we would expect to see based on history. Certainly, it is possible. possible. Certainly, the momentum over the last couple of weeks has driven us that way. Uh, we're a little above last year, or actually a lot above last year, about 15% above last year. And we've been there for the last several weeks on an average basis, if you average the year-over-year gains. And this is something that is good because it, it plays into other commodity groups. It plays into metals demand. It plays into plastics demand. It plays into lots of other carload commodities. So if automotive can continue to to move up, can continue to show strength, and you to hang in there, uh, that is something that would be good for a whole cross-section of rail carload commodities. Now, can it or not, time will tell. If you listened last week, you know we sort of set up the downside scenario for automotive. With inventories rising, if the pent-up demand for sales don't come through, that could reverberate back through uh, the entire supply chain to automotive production. Uh, this suggests that maybe it's a little stabler. Maybe there's a little bit of durability in there before we see a downshift. Maybe there's more time for that that demand to come into the marketplace. But time will tell. Uh, it really is a glass half full, glass half empty. How do you want to view it in automotive uh, over the last several weeks and looking forward? How do you want to uh, view the sector? You want to take on a positive outlook and potentially... I have to rein that in in the second half of the year, or do you want to take uh, a pessimistic tone? And if you're pleasantly surprised, uh, then that's all the better for the economy and for rail freight expectations. So to wrap up, intermodal volume weakness remains significant and remains not really moving when you think about it to start the year. It's really just stuck in neutral is a really good way to think about it and to talk about it. Carload volumes... They're nearly steady on a year-over-year basis, but there are some bright spots. There are some some glimmers of hope, some green shoots, if you will, uh, whether it's in chemicals, whether it's in metals, uh, that give us some reasons for hope, give us some reasons for optimism. Now, one thing that does not give us reason for optimism is the employment numbers. I don't know how many of you uh, track the, the, the monthly employment figures that the carriers submit to the STB. Uh, there were definitely some not great trends in those numbers. We went backwards as an industry. Uh, when you think about train and engine employment, some carriers had fairly significant step backs in their amount of train and engine employees that were uh, on the payroll. And given what we just heard last month about carriers training pipelines, training's hire, uh, carriers hiring efforts, the fact that we would underperform and the fact that we would uh, go backwards in a month is not a great sign. It suggests that maybe there is maybe there is some smoke to the fire. Maybe there is something there when 
uh, all the saber rattling among some folks in the union, some of the rank and file about people getting their back pay payments and pulling the pin and leaving the industry. Maybe there is something uh, to that. Certainly the January report uh, gives you some sense that maybe that, that occurred to a larger degree than the carriers hoped for. We'll get a little more clarity when we get the February number next month, but it was not the report uh, that I was looking to see that I think a lot in the industry were wanting to see in terms of employment. Uh, and with that, we'll wrap up for this week. Thank you for joining us this week. We always appreciate having you aboard. Feel free to reach out to myself or any member of the FTR team if you ever have any questions about what you're seeing in your business, what you're seeing in the podcast, what you're seeing in the reports. We literally get up in the morning to talk about transportation. So do not hesitate ever to reach out and talk about what you're seeing in your business, what you're hearing in the podcast, what you're hearing in the reports, what you're hearing in the industry from your suppliers, from your carriers. We love to have those conversations. And with that, as always, I am your host, Todd Tranowski, the Vice President of Railroad and Motor here at FTR. Thank you for joining us this week. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again next week. That's it for this week's Rail Market Update on the State of Freight podcast. The Rail Market Update will be published each week along with a downloadable PDF of the presentation. If you find this transportation intelligence useful, please take a moment to give us a positive rating on your podcast platform of choice and send us your feedback by email at podcast.ftrintel.com. You can find more publicly available State of Freight content and download the PDF of today's presentation by going to www.ftrintel.com podcast. FTR is the leader in freight transportation forecasting in North America, providing consistently reliable reports for trucking, rail, and intermodal transportation, as well as providing demand analysis for commercial vehicle and rail car. For more information about the work of FTR, visit www.ftrintel.com or call us at 888-988-1699 to find out which publications will best support your business.